Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man is out of time. Which direction we are going? Narekio Camino. It would have been DWI. have reached a tipping point. Good evening, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and all the ships at sea. It is once again tipping point. Can you believe it? We were on last week. We're on this week. And guess what? We're going to be back next week again. We are going to kill you with overexposure. We are following the WWE pay-per-view business model. <laughs> Joining me, Stephen Platinum, as always, is the venerable Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? I'm fine. What the hell has gotten into us doing three weeks in a row? I mean, we've had struggle to do two in a month, and now we're going to do three in a row. So... Why don't we just you killing bring, me? Yeah, bring people up to speed that because we decided uh, that with the uh, scenic city coming up in what, a week from Friday night, we'd go mm-hmm. ahead and do a little special edition a week from tonight, uh, talking about scenic city and hopefully have Ace Rockwell and Dan Wilson and maybe uh, a special mystery guest if we can arrange it to uh, join us. Just to have a little discussion about that uh, big scenic city weekend. But tonight well, Scenic got, City, uh, I mean, tonight, I mean, and tonight the reason we're doing a show is because the guests that Larry has acquired. Please brag away, Larry. Please. Yeah, so we've got um, uh, Heath Slater coming on to uh, uh, discuss uh, the new training school face-to-face that he and Teddy Long and Ron Simmons and some other folks are behind here in Atlanta. And then that'll be followed by... Brutal Bob Evans. It's 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 training and seminar night because he's going to be uh, he's coming down to Chattanooga to do a seminar during the Scenic City weekend. So those will be our guests uh, starting up in about mm, 15 minutes. But uh, before we get to that, big doings. Oh, we got to we got to talk about we got to talk about anarchy. I mean, you'd said it about a month or two ago, Larry, and you're so right that this was going to be an incredible summer for wrestling in Georgia. And I mean, it's definitely come to pass between Shindig for, um, you know, the July 4th show um, at PCW, you know, Peach State doing these big shows that are drawing really well. And now, and you know, and AWE doing a show um, in conjunction with Evolve doing a show. And now we've got Tank's last show tanks last match in that building in cornelia georgia you gotta how was it larry i guess just just sum it up i there's definitely a report up but what did it feel like being there when tank was hanging it up in that building well i mean it was it was emotional clearly for a lot of folks uh and it just um is interesting to me how attached fans are and ran the wrestlers are to tank. I guess that's what what, what 15 years will do uh, of wrestling in the same place and putting on all those great matches. And it's interesting. I don't know. There's it's interesting to see a guy who's like 
all you know covered in blood, cutting this really heartfelt, saying these heartfelt goodbyes and everything, uh, and people like really into that for this for this sort of hardcore performance. It's just an interesting thing to see. Um, and uh, one thing that I didn't mention in the report is I'm just really digging the uh, anarchy crowd these days. They're um, so willing to suspend disbelief, so respectful, um, really like ideal kind of fans you'd want at a wrestling show because they're into it in a really, really good way. Um, I think that's that's certainly helped their product as the, the the fan base they've developed out out there now. But yeah, it was it was quite an emotional night for folks and a, a really good. As I said, a, a, a fitting show for Tank because it was violent, and it was uh, <laughs> it, it was bloody. And unfortunately, unfortunately, people did get hurt. That you know, um, uh, fortunately, I, I think Jacob Ashworth escaped with. Um, I hate to say this, but just a concussion because you right. know, he did have that serious injury, neck injury that almost ended his career a few years ago. And it looked like at the time, it, during the match, it looked like he'd re-injured that neck. But um, well, I'm certainly uh, glad not. that didn't happen. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't he didn't know which end was up after that match was over. I can tell you that he didn't remember much about that match. Uh, but he's he was he was clearing up pretty good by the time the show was over. And then poor Gladiator Jeremiah just splits his eyebrow Ooh. open on the on the ring apron of all things. Um, and there was just you know blood spurting everywhere in that situation. So um, you know, and then, and then they, before he, we'd already had a, a security guard cut open before that happened. So a blood. Um, the security guard thing sounded freaking awesome. Like, it was. <laughs> like tell me about like break down the security guard spot for me because I I read that and I lost my I still haven't talked to Jeff about the show and I know like it's just you know work's been insane lately well, and all that kind of stuff but I just gotta so the, hear about the, it. The thing about it was how well it um, set up. Brad Cash as a real badass crazy man because they did a segment at the outset of the show where the tag team champions Adrian Hawkins and Bobby Moore demanded a match uh, Wilson said no match this week you get your match next time against beautiful bald besties get out of the ring and they said we're not leaving of course and security comes and I thought okay these guys are going to get their asses beat. Well, actually, Rave approved. You know, they're 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 grumbling and stuff. But security actually ushers them out of the ring. That's match number one. Match number two. Brad Cash is a real sore loser. Uh, attacks his opponent uh, after the match, and is beat beaten on him. And here comes security to get him out. Well. Didn't work the second time around. He pulls out a pizza cutter and just slices Larry Lewallen's head open with a pizza cutter. And um, and you know Larry Lewallen has been he's back now, but he was a he was a security guard for Anarchy or for Wildside way back in the beginning. And uh, he's back and he's like he's like Mr. Pro Security Guard. I've seen him at Deeps at uh, uh, Southern Fried at Peach Day. <laughs> I, I mean, clearly he's a guy. I mean, he's 
clearly he's part of like Rick's regime. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. Rick Michaels oh, yeah. is, is in charge and you know, he's one of the guys they got to come back in the building, which is one of the things that's so great about anarchy right now. Right. Is they're fully staffed. I mean, they've got, they just got it going on. <laughs> Pizza cut the security guard. Yeah. The, yeah. They had to bring I, out the towel, like the towel and keep his, try to put it over his forehead cause he's bleeding so much and everything. Yeah. It was quite, it was quite the scene. <laughs> Here's something I love about that, Larry. I'm going to go a little bit direct, different direction than you probably think I'm going to go. Here's another reason I love that spot. I think a lesser show would have thought, you know, Tank's having this big moment. We should use it to get somebody else over. Brad Cash. We could have Brad Cash. I think that is typical stupid thinking of – well, like, you know, let's use this tank thing to get Brad Cash over as the heel even more. And it's, you know, would Tank have disagreed with doing it? Probably not. I don't know. But I'm so glad they didn't go that way. I think it's so many times I'll read about a show where they have something that's very sincere and feels very good. That's just wrestling in general. And they feel a need to appropriate everything. And that sounds weird for me to say as a pro wrestling person, but you don't have to appropriate everything. Sometimes you can just let moments land and be good and it's okay. You know, Um, Tank was so, um, well, he was as gracious as a man covered can blood can be in, in like putting over, um, you know, Tremont is the, greatest, uh, you know, deathmatch wrestler in the world and how great the fans were and, you know, pointing out that Buck and Matthews were his favorite indie guys to uh, watch. I mean, it couldn't have been a more humble, sweet uh, parting speech that that he gave. It was was really nice, really nice. Yeah, and and again, guys like that are, are, are few and far between and diminishing quickly. And, I, I mean, how it's just so wonderful to see Tank have the career that he has. He's nobody would accuse Tank of being a yes man or an ass kisser for crying out loud, <laughs> right? Like he no. he got to do things his way, say things how he wanted, call his own shots at the end, and then. But at the end of the day, he's a family man, and he's leaving with. I mean, how amazing! This is so horrible. But I was reminded of this when you know. You look at like guys like Balls Mahoney and all this, like all these guys whose lives went into the shitter after they got done wrestling. And Tank is leaving with his marbles intact, his body basically healthy and put together. You know, it's it's a remarkable achievement. It's one that doesn't get lauded a lot in pro wrestling, but it should. I think that's yeah. the kind of thing that should be admired. And he's he's leaving under his own terms. I, I don't think he will come back and spoil this. Um, I, don't I really don't. I don't either. I think he. You can just you can just sense it on him that he's like. Did my thing. He's getting to go out the way he wants to go out. I mean, you know, he's going to be at Scenic City wrestling in the first round against Matt Riddle. And, you know, if that's his last match, or even if it's not, even if he wins that and advances in that tournament, that that Scenic City event is going to be his last hurrah. And it's surrounded by the Chattanooga guys that he kind of is our friends with, broke in with, wrestled both with and against. 
uh, it's really wonderful. And I'm glad, you know, there were a lot of people there to see it. Um, And I'm glad they didn't spoil it, (laughs) that they just let it be. And again, that's a testament to the guys running the show over there and, and Dan, you know, I I think they're just, they're making the right, they're definitely making way more right decisions than wrong ones. That's for sure. At Anarchy. No doubt. No doubt. Um, Hey, in case I, uh, uh, one thing I want to mention um, is that uh, on a melancholy note here, we had our final Peach State Pandemonium show last Thursday night. After I don't know how many years. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Mike Norris uh, gave me the heads up that that was going to be their last one. They did not want it announced until they went on the air that night. But um, one of the co-hosts, Jay West, had passed away um, Mm. a few weeks earlier. And Bobby Simmons has a, uh, I believe, a new job that's a, a conflict with the show. And they just decided that this was the time to let it go. So unfortunately, uh, as of last Thursday night, Peach State Pandemonium is no more. Well, that's you know, too like, bad. I, I, I think, you know, when, when the show is perhaps less packed, um, uh, I, I would love to tell a Bobby Simmons story or two, because he's the first guy that sort of opened I, I don't know, who kind of like welcomed me with open arms when I got to Atlanta. Oh, really? Um, yes. So I would definitely love to talk about Bobby Simmons. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's funny because, Larry, this is a weird bit of news. So Gary Michael Capetta, um, who was, a, amongst other things, a WCW announcer for many, many, many years. Oh, yeah. uh, and he had a book. Um, he's, he's doing this kind of one-man show thing, similar to, what, I guess, what Jim Ross has done and others, where they kind of talk about their wrestling experiences and that kind of thing. And his show is touring, and it's going to be in Orlando in October. But he contacted me to see if I could help promote the show, uh, which I've agreed to do. So uh, I was going to suggest, well, maybe we'll get Gary Michael Capetta on Peach State Pandemonium. But since that that is no more, um, I'll get Gary Michael Capetta on our show. Um, So that's interesting. Um, Yeah, because I I immediately thought, yeah, yeah. It, it you know they they were on for seven years, I, I didn't yeah. realize it was that long. Seven years, so it really it really leaves a gaping hole in the GWH radio schedule. I mean we we only I mean not big schedule. We have three shows where we had three shows. Now we have two. Um, so maybe someone uh, will want to uh, pick that up and and do a show that's more oriented towards the um, uh, you know the old times. We'll see. Oh, thanks. We'll thank you for qualifying that because as soon as as soon as you said, well, maybe somebody, and I just went, oh no, it's like it's like the call of the shitbird. <laughs> <laughs> but you qualified it. By Not going anybody. Like, but yes, somebody. But you have to talk, you anybody. have to be able to intelligently discuss yes. older yes. wrestling, you. and you. Yes. that immediately like, oh hey, <laughs> nobody said you had to have a doctorate. What? Um, so thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Yeah, like I, and not and not that he would do this or anything, but like I had somebody like a Scott Hudson in mind, you know. But not that he's maybe would be interested in doing a podcast, but somebody who could really do a nice job with it would be would be a wonderful thing to have. But we'll see. Absolutely. So what's new well, for um, your neck of the woods? Oh my gosh, um, 
Well, like I, you know, now I'm, I'm excited about the Gary Michael Capetta show. Um, I, I don't know. Have you ever read his book? No. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not the greatest wrestling book. However, it is very good in a sense that it is all wrestling. Like he doesn't, you don't have to hear about when I was 11, I was a real scamp. (laughs) He kind of like just jumps into the wrestling thing. And, uh, I'm excited to provide, like, I I think at first he didn't believe that I had read his book. Um, but then I quickly said, you know, it's like one, it's, it has the notoriety of being one of two wrestling books that Gary Juster has actually read. (laughs) 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 Gary Juster read the dynamite kid book just because he was interested in the Gary Michael Capetta book because he heard he was mentioned in it. Uh, and then when he saw how he was mentioned, he didn't like it. (laughs) Um, but I read the Gary Michael Capetta book and the one story I thought was really great was that sticks out in my mind besides the road stories of him driving around Ric Flair which are crazy and hilarious but was um, a very young um, Mark Callis aka Undertaker and how Mark Callis um, Gary Michael Capetta like had to drive him around because he was new and it was like Gary had room in his car and and I guess a Buzz Sawyer had ripped off Mark Callis for money like with, you know, a typical, like, give me $2,000, I'll train you how to wrestle. And so Undertaker had to borrow the money from his brother, who was a family man and didn't really have it. But he was like, I really believe in you. So I'm going to give you this money. And uh, Buzz Sawyer basically took the money and ran. And, and so Gary Michael is telling the story of, and then Buzz Sawyer got hired in WCW when Undertaker was there. So Undertaker was basically letting Gary Michael Capetta know, it's like, I don't want you to get in trouble, man, but I, you know, I'm me and Buzz Sawyer are going to go at it. (laughs) And so it was Gary Michael Capetta trying to talk sense into the undertaker, like basically like, you know, you're, you're new. He's not like, it's going to come down on you, blah, blah, blah. And sort of how Buzz Sawyer, who was famously unafraid of everybody, had to sit there like nose to nose with the guy that he had taken money from who would one day be the undertaker. That's the story that I just remember. I remember reading it and going like, this was worth the whole book. Like just, <laughs> just that story and that visual of uh, undertaker and uh, Buzz Sawyer nose to nose um, and settling scores. That was pretty great. I won't, I won't spoil the end of that story for anybody who wants to look it up or read the book. Well, cool. He'd yeah. be great if we get it for, as a guest, that'd be, that'd be some nice stuff. We get him on. Yes, absolutely. Hey, um, you know, uh, a while back you had talked about watching Impact and and uh, liking the show better, and I've been watching it lately and also have been liking it better. I think they're doing some really good things on there. I wonder if you've been catching it lately and what your thoughts are on kind of where they're at now with, with – uh, I, I have with caught it lately, and, you know, the, the thing I said about – Tank being allowed to retire and have his great moment and not having it spoiled. I was thinking of that in direct contrast with impact months ago when Gail Kim was sort of announcing a retirement and then got attacked by Rosemary. And I remember thinking of how like how lame that was and how unnecessary that was and how foolish it was since clearly Rosemary was gaining popularity and was going to be a, a baby face soon. (laughs) It was just very strange, but 
Yeah, I, I like what Impact's doing. I, I do continue to watch it. Um, they had lost uh, my daughter for a while. She, they, she kind of just, she's like, I just don't want to watch this. I think there was too many people from Vegas, like <laughs> too many people that she didn't really know or care about that much. But boy, that X division uh, yeah, you know, I gotta admit something. I gotta admit something. I was, I liked Loki in the ring, but there's just something about him that I just, I didn't even actively hate. I just sort of just brushed the guy off, but clearly he's at the height of his powers and it's all hands on deck in that X division to make that thing great. Not just with spots, yeah. um, though the spots are Mind blowing. I I don't even think that crowd fully appreciates how cool some of the stuff they're getting to watch is. Um, but between the X division and I, I don't know if you could say it's a great wrestling division, but God, the women's division, the knockouts division is entertaining. I, if somebody had told me, I would have given two. If, I, if someone would have told me, I would have given a rat's ass about Sierra at any point. I would have said absolutely not. Um, but they found a way to give those girls time and they're all going for it and Congo Kong. And like, I'm just, I'm feeling it, I guess, uh, which is remarkable. I do like, well, just to go back to the women for a second. No, it's definitely not a great wrestling division, but they do keep it interesting. I mean, there's some pretty brutal wrestling from, from some, from some of the women, not all, they have some that are good, but some of them are pretty bad. But um, I do like the, global influence of the uh you know the merging of global and tna and you know the a lot of the luchadors on this last episode and i guess they're going to be doing or have and maybe we'll continue to do some things with noah i i like that i like all that that, that variety i enjoyed seeing that many luchador guys on one show as they had on the last week last episode it was interesting um, and, and you know, I I would have I, I I can't say I'm a humongous fan of the LAX Alberto Del Rio angle. However, mm-hmm. they're playing it right, and it does fit in the context of the show, and it does give it gives them an opportunity at appealing to a different audience, which I also I'm just a big fan of trying to get different people to watch your show. You don't have to spend your entire show catering, catering, catering. It's okay to kind of reach out and see who else you can get to watch. And I I can see, I I guess I can see before it was like, I, I don't know what they're doing or why they're doing it. Now everything at least makes a kind of linear sense in a way that it hasn't in a long time. And that's definitely an improvement. One last thing before we go to our guest, uh, you know, I'd forgotten about this and I shouldn't have that Andrew Thomas, who was one of the original wild side referees is still there in production at TNA. He has survived all of these regimes and is still there, which to me is just an amazing thing. I think he would be a really interesting interview just sometimes. I I was just going to say, can you imagine the stories he could tell? Um, (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I'm uh, hoping that we now have on the line our special guest, WWE superstar, Heath Slater. Welcome to the Tipping Point. Uh, How you doing, man? We're well. How are you? Yeah, we can be fine. (laughs) You got excited. 
<laughs> Hi, Heath. I'm Steve. Um, I, I'm going to fire off Steve a question right off. I'm doing great, man. Great, Good man. Deal. Great to have you on. Um, Thank you. You, you, uh, you're one of these guys who I always think, like, my God, like, just a guy who's doing it right, you know? And I, 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 I just, just a guy who's, who's, who's really like, I, you know, people get inspired by all kinds of people. I always think the boy should be inspired by a guy like you who legitimately kind of makes the most out of his shot. I, I have a question about sort of your early mindset in wrestling when you were first starting to train or even before that, what's something yeah. that you remember, um, that you remember like maybe hearing like like your first trainers teaching you that you thought honestly was a little full of shit <laughs> that you found yeah. out is absolutely true what's something that timing. you can remember going like what was it time timing oh please elaborate yes time timing is everything is what i would always hear always hear Timing is everything. You can be this good, you can be that good, but if the right person don't see you at the right time, then you ain't going to get a look at, you know? So mm-hmm. pretty much, I remember hearing all the damn time, timing is everything. And honestly, it is because there was time after time after time when I was having, like, you know, tryouts and everything to where no one was really there to be able to give me a contract type deal. And then uh, at the right time, John Lauren Elias saw me and thought I was pretty good and gave me a contract. So the one thing that I could probably say is timing, man, because timing in this business is pretty much everything. Man, it's wonderful. Is and that what I you mean, were of course, for or something else? absolutely no. That's perfect. That's a great answer. Um, I, you know, we're definitely yeah. going to get into talking about face to face and the school that you're a part of oh, and all yeah. of that and the training center. I mean, that's so wonderful. You and Teddy Long and all the rest. There's one other question I had before Larry jumps in, and that is, what's that? What's, what's something that like is considered sort of wrestling gospel that a lot of people said like you like these truisms of like. Like, man, if you if you have to do this or you better not do this, that you've kind of found that, you know what, I think that's more in the gray area than people think it is. Because there's a lot of that kind of stuff that flies around when people talk about wrestling. Um, about, um, you- well, the one thing I can say is, is like, I would all, they would always tell you, get boots. You've got to yeah. get a pair of wrestling boots. And if you don't get a pair of wrestling boots, you can't be a wrestler. Turned out, found out that was a lie because you can wear wrestling <laughs> shoes with kick pads and they're a lot lighter and not as, you know, bulky and clumsy in them. But uh, that's one <laughs> of them. And uh, the other one is when you're out in the ring and you have something planned and the people aren't liking it, switch that shit up, man. You got to switch it up and see what they see what they want because... There ain't nothing worse than trying to piss up a rope whenever you're in front of thousands of people and they're not into what you're doing. <laughs> I have a confession to make. I uh, I wrestled. I, I I trained in '93. I wrestled basically full time until 2001. That's back when you could actually make a living, like working the Indies in Mexico and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Even as a low level dude like me, I never owned a pair of wrestling boots. Never. And oh, when I had. Man. When I when I did what my W, you, 
<laughs> when I when I wrestled, you know, I, back when they had like jacked and metal and show like that for the WWF, I had my like I had my match for jacked against Test. And the rules back then were super strict for any, like, indie guy that they were bringing in. So they're like, you got to use your real name. You have to wear wrestling tights. I had never worn wrestling tights. You got to wear wrestling <laughs> tights and you got to have boots. So I'm, I'm, you know, I got a hold of the tights okay, but I had to borrow boots from, oh, like, yeah. you know, of guys having their tryouts. And they're just like, uh, here. And so I had to wear these boots that were, like, three sizes too big. I was a, I was a wrestling lawyer. That was my shtick. So I always wore a suit. And these like oh, yeah. I never had wrestling boots, so I was definitely not when I when I trained dudes. I was never one of those you have to have wrestling boots guys. Never. Oh yeah. Oh man, when I was there, I had to get wrestling boots. So so it was such a change for me because back then I was wearing you know the wrestling shoes and kick pads, and I can like springboard and do these cool things and everything. And then they say you know I got a pair of boots that had an inch and a half lift on it and. <laughs> really couldn't jump as high as I thought I could and everything else, you know. But, yeah, that was one of the big rules back when I started, man. You had to get boots. And I'm just like, well, crap, I got to save up some money for some boots. So why can't I wear what I got on? <laughs> hey, um, Larry, Keith, before we before we talk about the training school, I'm curious to know, um, we, you know, we're a Georgia-based podcast, and I know you oh, yeah. spent some time at Deep South. Could you talk oh, a little yeah. bit about your your Deep South experience? Oh, man, it was, you know, I was just happy to be there. I mean, it was, uh, training was hard and rough, but um, what training isn't? And, uh, I mean, I was at Deep South, shoot, not too long because um, they moved it down to uh, Tampa and, you know, moved it into um, FCW. But, um I mean, I'm pretty sure you already heard all the stories about Deep South and everything. I mean, it's kind of redundant if I just keep talking about it. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, it, it was just rough training, hard and everything. But um, I'm glad I stuck with it and where I'm at today, you know. <laughs> to say the least, yeah, yeah. Well, then yeah, could you, you know? c- contrast and compare a little bit for us the kind of training you had and coming up and what you hope to do and what you what you have at face to face uh well the training with that coming up it was like you know deep south was more like a little bit of a boot camp and i mean every one of us was in, was in shape we wouldn't blow up in the ring you know nothing like that and then uh we got dr tom and dr tom uh pretty much molded us into um you know, the fine-tuned machines that we are. I mean, he taught us everything in the books. Anything you wanted to know, all you had to do was ask him, and he'd let you know the best way he could. Uh, One hell of a human being. Uh, You know, like Mr. Hughes is who I started with at at, um, the training school in uh, Georgia, and uh, he gave me the tools that I needed to uh, get out and and go around to some indie promotions and work and everything, and Luckily, like I got, I got real lucky, man. I got um, called up not even two years on the Indies, so like I was saying, the right time, right place type thing. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, like Dr. Tom, you know, helped me out a lot. And like I said, like Mr. Hughes, like gave me the tools, and Dr. Tom sharpened them for me. And I mean, like like with the training that I would like to do down at face to face is, you know. I mean, start from the basics and work your way up. I mean, we have that like a a three-tier method that 
I feel like it's going to work very well. And, I mean, we got trainers. I mean, Hughes is going to be there constantly, and I trust Hughes. He gave me the tools, and I know he knows what he's talking about. He can teach a kid, you know, how to bump, how to hit the rope, psychology, all of that. And then we have, like, Teddy Long. He can come in and teach you pretty much any daggone thing underneath the sun in wrestling. You know, he's like a a genius when it comes to it because he's done everything from, you know, driving the truck, setting up the ring, refereeing, managing, general manager, in the ring a little bit, like behind the scenes. I mean, he has just, you know, his head's full of knowledge. Ron Simmons, I mean, he's just like, you know, Hughes. He can get in there and teach you anything you want, you know, Hall of Famers. I mean, my gosh, it's stacked if you think about it. Um, you know, Jazz is going to be coming in, her and Kira Hogan, to uh, help out the girls that's coming in and training and everything, you know, just teaching them a little bit of things that, you know, what the girls do because I, I know I don't know that much. I can teach them some things, but, you know, they, they know it better than I do when it comes to, you know, the women wrestling. So, but, I mean, we're going to have a stacked house, man. I mean, that's all I can really say, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I you know when you when you look at that list of people that you just talked about, Jazz and Ron Simmons and Teddy Long, like the the yeah, common thread and you. with and with you, yeah, I mean like the common thread to me are, are people who have survived in wrestling, like wrestled yeah. for different promotions during very tumultuous times in wrestling, had to navigate things politically, like all these, all these sort of X factor things that have to do with success as much as timing does. So they're all survivors, but they're all people who have thrived as well. I mean, Teddy Long, like you said, he's a guy who drove a truck at one point for wrestling, did any job imaginable. And and he's, and and he's in the hall of fame. Like, is there a big, I mean, that's, that's a wrestling rags to riches story. If there ever was one. He needs to have a DVD and a book. Hmm. Did you hear me? Yeah. Can y'all hear me? Okay. I thought something got cut off. No, 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 you're fine. fine. Rags to riches story, you know, completely, man. Absolutely. Larry, do you have a final question for? Yeah. So how do, how do people get involved? If, uh, you know, we have a fair number of um, uh, wrestlers or expiring wrestlers that listen to this show. How, how can someone get involved? What with wrestling? With, with your, with your school. Oh, with my school. I mean, you can go to face to face wrestling.com and uh, it tells you everything you need to know on there. But I mean, it's a 7,200 square foot facility. I mean, we're going to have – we have two brand-new 18-foot rings. Um, We're going to have weights in there. Um, You know, they're just – I mean, we got, you know, the lighting put up, walls knocked down, spaces for, like, a a promo room. Um, I mean, pretty much face-to-face wrestling is going to have anything and everything you want. We have a nutritionist that's going to be stopping in and out, helping the guys out with their body, you know, teaching them – what proteins to eat, you know, how to work out and everything like that. Um, there's going to be a media room, a multi-angle recording system there. Literally, it's going to be set up perfect. All you got to do is show up pretty much. And, I mean, and due to, like, the amazing response that we've been having on the promotional price, we're going to extend the current $3,000 offer through the end of August also. So that's a good thing to know, too. But, um, honestly, if, if you – we're setting it up for success, and 
if you think you're ready and you want to be ready or anything, come by the school, sign up, and I guarantee you we'll get you ready. Man, that's that sounds great. Uh, you know, often uh, I used to I used to train guys in Georgia, and it was really wonderful. It's the thing I kind of miss doing the most now that I'm here mm-hmm. in Florida. And people do ask me like, where should I go? Where should I go? Where should I go? And it is yeah. nice that there's a place that I can confidently send people who I know one, they're going to be in business Two, It's not, I told a story <laughs> earlier um, in the Gary Michael Capetta book, Keith, about how um, yeah. Buzz Sawyer had ripped off like undertaker when he was like a new guy, like the, <laughs> the old shtick used to be, you know, you get 10 guys to give you two grand and then you skip town. And um, Undertaker was one of those guys that was took. They're obviously, you know, face-to-face is here for the long haul, and they got the new rings and and everything else. I plan on on keeping it open as long as we can, man, because I know for a fact when I was coming up, there were so many promotions out there saying, come train with us, come train with us, pay this, pay that, and then you get, you know, a few weeks of training, and they kick you to the curb, and you're just, you know – don't really know what you did and then you forget and you know it wasn't you know they they it was like a setup for failure type thing yeah like you said take your money leave town but face to face ain't nothing like that and i mean everyone that already knows me you know i'm a stand-up guy and i'm straight up and i'll just tell you how it is but uh i plan on making this one of those things you know where after wrestling you know i can just go down there full time and, you know, maybe start training, you know, full-time down there and, you know, and helping kids out because I'm going to be stopping in there every chance I get. Well, thank you for so much for coming on, and we wish you and face-to-face all the luck in the world and success. Um, you're one of the good – you're a good guy who good things happen for because you made it happen, <laughs> and those stories uh, – are very, very, very much needed in pro wrestling. So thank you. Uh, No, man, thank you guys for having me. And thank you, you know, for letting me come on here and, you know, speak a little bit with you guys. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Y'all take care. You too. You as well. All right. Bye-bye. Nice. Nice. You know, Steve, he seemed like a genuinely nice guy. (laughs) Yeah, man. I, you know, it's, I think one of the things that we we talk a lot about how wrestling has changed for the worse, but I think one way that it's changed for the better in general is I think, I think there was a, it was true once upon a time that nice guys were doomed in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> that, that really, if you were, if you're, if the perception about you was that there was something like, almost if you were a gentleman, you were doomed kind of thing. Like, you you know, you basically had to go through this meat grinder that tended to reward the worst behaviors instead of the best ones. But now you've got guys like, you know, when you look at guys that have come out of Georgia, like a Heath Slater or, you know, Xavier Woods, guys who are genuinely good guys who have made it um, in the modern environment. And I think it's very encouraging um, I, I think that part of it is really great. I think it's great that people look at the behavior of like JBL and they go, you know what? <laughs> like you're hazing a, a commentator. What the hell's wrong with you? I'm glad that that's the mentality now um, yeah. that it, 
instead of, and I mean, I'm all for being tough on guys. My God, if, you know, ask anybody that I've ever trained, they will have a dozen stories of me losing my mind and screaming and whatever, but it was all working towards the greater good, not just getting my rocks off, um, you know, harming somebody. And I'm glad that that kind of mentality is phasing itself out in wrestling. I hope it phases itself out even more, frankly. And Heath Slater is one of those good guys that are, that are really making it and are a great example for the boys. I think sometimes the wrestlers look to the wrong guys for inspiration of like, oh, I'm going to be a, it's sort of like a young rapper looking at Jay-Z and just going like, oh, I'm going to be like Jay-Z. I'm going to be this mogul. I'm going to call myself the CEO. It's like, no, he really is a mogul. Your inspiration <laughs> should be somebody like, like Chance the Rapper a guy who he's not signed to a major label yet. He's a top 10 moneymaker in the rap game and everybody knows him and everybody who knows chance, the rapper, you know what the first thing they say about him is I love that dude. You know, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have beef with people. He does. He's just a genuinely good guy and it comes across and his success feels very much deserved. So yeah. Great story. Uh, Just, just got a message from, uh, Bob Evans, he'll be with us momentarily. So how about we get a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be back with Brutal Bob Evans. Absolutely. Are you craving meat? Then maybe it's time you came to the Von Erich Family Steakhouse. I'm Kevin Von Erich, owner and operator of Von Erich Steaks, where we serve only the finest Texas beef, and we've got a steak for everyone's taste. Try our 32-ounce T-bone, the David, the finest, juiciest, most over-steak in the place, which was destined to win the steak world championship, but never got the chance. Or how about the curry, the 20-ounce ribeye that's got a lot of sizzle, but not as much of the steak. On a diet, try Kevin, a 12-ounce lean cut of sirloin that comes barefooted. Maybe you're into hamburgers. How about the heaven needed a hamburger, a.k.a. the Mike? Or take the ultimate meat challenge, the Fritz. 42 ounces of tough, mean, grizzled, thick, burned, nasty, mean beef. It's like chewing on an old tire. Or for the vegetarian option, the Lance, which isn't meat or Von Erich at all. At Von Erich Family Steakhouse, we've got something for everyone. So come on down and see us at the Sportatorium in Dallas, Texas. Von Eric's. Our steaks will put a claw hold on your stomach. <laughs> gotta love Let that me tell you. about Lance. You know, gotta love that. <laughs> the Lance will make me laugh every time. I should have hit mute yeah. on my phone. The, um, I have met Kevin Von Eric. I have uh-huh. stayed at Kevin Von Erich's ranch. And let me tell you, that is a phenomenal Kevin Von It's not an impersonation you hear very often in wrestling. Everybody in wrestling has got a Hogan or a Macho Man or whatever, but that is a crazy... Are you craving okay. meat? Then maybe it's time to... <laughs> Come on. That is a great Kevin Von Erich. Holy moly. <sighs> Yeah, hold on your stomach. <laughs> yes, that's man. Uh, where whoever that man is, that's one talented impersonator there. That that guy. 
it's not me goes without saying <laughs> so uh, wow 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 so um quick thought before brutal bob comes on um yeah uh, what's what's something that surprised you about heath slater uh really just how I'll, I'll, down to earth he seemed uh uh and humble you know i, I don't know i guess I, did, I don't know what i expected but you know he just you know very sort of a uh, uh, seemed like sort of a relatively quiet kind of guy, which I didn't. I know. loved that he was so forthright with his answers. Cause I, I mean, I'm going to ask probably at least one of the same questions to brutal Bob. And I think Bob will be the same way, but there are, it's just as, as, as it's true that there are things in wrestling that need to be taught and reinforced in Heath Slater's case is mentioning about timing. It's just as true that there are these hard and fast, a good rule of life, everybody, not just in wrestling is if somebody's giving you a hard and fast, you cannot break this rule rule. Chances are it's, there's some part about that. That's full of shit. And of course, there's always exceptions to rules. And in fact, it is the exceptions to the rules that are the things that tend to succeed the most. Now, this isn't to say that you can just throw everything to the wind and just be defy for device sake, but any artistic endeavor, any sports endeavor, Larry, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, here are some truisms about sports that no longer apply. You have to have a great running back or you can't win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, the three-point shot, no, no, no. You're, you, you need to have a top-quality center or there's no chance that you're going to make it in the NBA as a team. Yeah, you got to be able to t- score in the paint, right? <laughs> you, you have to be able to dominate the paint and score in the paint. And the three-point shot, that's just shooter's luck. It just ebbs and flows. You know, to run your offense around three-point shooting is just a fool's paradise. My God. You know, so things change, things evolve. And I think, you know, often when debates come up in wrestling, and I'm sure Brutal Bob will talk about this, when debates come up in wrestling, like the dive, (laughs) the dive message that sparked so much, oh, why do you hate new school wrestling? Oh, why don't you honor old school wrestling? The truth is there's great stuff to take from all of it. But then there's also stuff that you have to be able to call a spade a spade about, about everything in pro wrestling. Um, well, let's find out what Bob Evans does have to say because he's uh, yes. on the line now, and we're very glad to have with us now, brutal Bob Evans. Welcome to the Tipping Point. Hello, guys. How are you? And I want to assure everyone that this is not uh, an impression. This is the real me. Uh, but I bet that gentleman. I bet that gentleman could uh, do uh, just about anyone. Boy, that was a. I just had jumped on, and I do apologize for being a couple minutes late. I had a business call that ran a little late. Uh, but uh, that Kevin Von Erich impression was fantastic. My goodness. <laughs> uh, Bob, uh, this is Steve Platt. Um, it's great to talk to you. Hi, Certainly. Um, hey, uh, right now um, you're the guy who there there's, it seems like there's often a guy who is universally liked um, by the boys and, and they're few and far between because God knows in wrestling, we can start an argument about anything. Um, but right. you seem to be a guy right now who, when people have you, when you're running a, a training camp or a seminar, that the the word is always, if you're really serious about wrestling and making it and learning, you need to go to this. Um, 
you know, and, and it's a status that other guys have held or continue to hold, like Les Thatcher and the like. Um, mm-hmm. how, how can you explain how you got to this point where you're sort of universally respected and liked in a business that often seems to not want to do either? Uh, well, uh, I will tell you for a long time that I was surprised you guys because I'm fortunate enough to have a nice standing in wrestling now, which I will not complain about. But uh, back in the day, I would say maybe nine or ten years ago, I was universally liked. and Well, I was respected probably, but not as much liked. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that really – turned my world around as far as wrestling and life and everything. And, um, is the, basically I just turned it around by opening up my mind that it was kind of funny. Cause you guys had discussed, uh, the, you know, evolving in sports and, and the three point shot and all that good stuff. And I remember all that, you know, when I was a teenager and in college hearing about all the stuff, the, you know, this will never happen and this will never happen. And it's all happened. Um, but that was the biggest thing with me was that I just kind of started putting myself to make myself first. I had to put myself second. As funny as that sounds, I just decided to start helping enough people get what they want so I could try to get what I want. And and we all know that's, you know, that's a Zig Ziglar thing. No, no relation to Dolph, but uh, you know, that's an old, you know, the old speaker Zig Ziglar says, you know, you can get help if you can help, enough people get what they want, you'll definitely get what you want. And it's been a very rewarding, especially the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, basically opening your mind up and starting to think about other people instead of always thinking about yourself. I, I am deeply rooted in the belief that wrestling doesn't have to be backstabbing. It doesn't have to be, everybody hates each other. It doesn't have to be, you know, uh, everybody's out for themselves. I really think that we have a nice little army here building of good people doing good things and trying to help each other for the most part. So really yeah, we, that was absolutely. Just, I, just go ahead. Uh, you, you know, when, you know, we just had Heath Slater on and I had mentioned mm-hmm. that like, it's nice that one of the things about wrestling traditionally, cause I'm, I'm an older dude, that I Mm -hmm. think is good with how wrestling has changed is there is this emphasis on rewarding good behavior in a way that there wasn't before it was, it was seen as like masculinity and was equated with bad behavior. And I was talking about like sort of reactions to JBL 20 years ago, the reaction to any kind of bullying thing that he would have done would have been, well, that's the price to be in pro wrestling that's the price. I don't care if he's a commentator, you have to pay your dues. You have to put up with shit. I had to put up with shit. You have to put up with shit. And now it's more like, well, if there's no positive result from it, why do it? It seems, and that's a very logical move, but wrestling tends to resist those, you know, like you brought up Zig Ziglar and um, I'm reading this book called the, uh, the Medici effect. And what Mm -hmm. it's talking about is how top companies in, in essence, if I had to boil the book down, what it, it mentions is top companies and top like organizations have learned that instead of finding a bunch of like-minded people who specialize in what you quote unquote do, (laughs) you bring in people that have success in other areas to offer their insight on your thing. And that's Mm -hmm. a way you can kind of, obviously you're a well-read guy 
who thinks beyond just traditional pro wrestling. What's, what's somebody besides Zig Ziglar who you would say has an influence on you or a TV show or a movie or a book or an inspirational person who has nothing to do with pro wrestling that you think has something to offer to pro wrestling? No, oh, I'll give you I'll give you a few. Uh, Brian Tracy, yeah, um, who's an incredible speaker, and out of the big four or five motivational speakers um, in the '80s and '90s, I think he's the last one that's alive. Um, but Brian Tracy, Jim R O H N, not Jim Rome, the radio guy, but Jim Rome, uh, who was one of Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins' original teachers. Um, obviously, Tony Robbins. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk obviously uh, has leapt to the forefront. Gary Vaynerchuk has made me more money uh, by, you know, just by me listening to little snippets and then listening to some of his audiobooks um, because his whole thing is serve first and don't ever worry about people being able to serve you back the same amount. Um, you know, he has a, he has a very good book called um, jab, 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 right hook, which is basically you, I serve you three times and, and then I'll ask for the business and you'll serve me with that right hook, you know, and it, it's not easy. It, it's, it's not easy to ask for business when you have proven to the other person that you're not worth anything, but if you can give them value immediately, and that's what I've been doing. I've been a little lazy with it lately, but what I've been doing with my Facebook videos and my Facebook posts and a Facebook guy, um, you know, I'm happy to give as much value as I can. As far as people in wrestling, uh, my biggest influence has been, uh, I would say, uh, Kevin Kelly was the, has been the biggest influence as far as mm. kind of trying to kind of turning my world around. And we're very close. His, his son is my godson, and you know, but Kevin mm. has always been there for the good times and the bad times. And you know, he'll call me and just say, "Hey, man, you know, I'm reading your stuff on Facebook. You're killing it." You know, he'll just kind of drop in, and you know, but. Um, you know, and I try. I hope I can be there for him too. And uh, I think Delirious Hunter Johnston, uh, as far as opening my mind to wrestling, because um, I remember going to the first uh, Ring of Honor camp. I paid for it. I paid for the first Ring of Honor tryout seminar at, at 37 yeah. years old. And I walked in and I said, and I use a bad word here because you guys used some before, but I said, who's it? Absolutely. And I've, I've said I've said this story in front of Hunter a million times, so it's not going to shock anyone. So you can quote it if you want, but he's heard it a million times. I said, what's this? asshole with a mask going to teach me and within an hour he had already taught me a bunch of stuff and the biggest thing that he's taught me is how to be you know how to be in ring of honor how to be a better person how to be a better trainer how to be a better human being and just be grateful for all the opportunities and to hear his stories of how he traveled and how he he did all this stuff and and really earned his spot everywhere he's gone um, I would say those are probably the two biggest influences on me. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of other influences in New England. I mean, Killer Kowalski, Jeff, Jeff Bruzacosta, um, these are the guys that helped train me. Um, you know, I mean, Steve Bradley, who uh, passed away a few years ago, uh, mm-hmm. developmental talent out of New Hampshire. Steve was a lot younger than me, but I helped break him in. And then when he came back from the WWF system, he kind of learned me up and kind of tried to keep me current, you know. And, uh, but yeah, those are, those are the biggest influences, I think. And then just really the biggest influence these days is the young guys keeping me young by being turned on to the message. And then, you know, I watch them and get excited for them too. I mean, 
it's really tough guys to be upset when, you know, I was at a, I was at a, I was in a, I was in a Crockett tag team tournament last weekend and with the powers of pain, uh, Bobby Fulton, the rock and roll express, um, you know, Ronnie Garvin, Ronnie Garvin was there. Gary Michael Capetta was announcing Tommy Young was one of the refs. I mean, these are all people I grew up watching, you know, and, and, and got to, you know, I got to shake Ronnie Garvin's hand and said, you were one of the people that were instrumental in getting me into wrestling. And I know I've been in, in it for almost 26 years, but this is the first time I actually got to meet him at 70 and really thank him for, you know, the contributions he's had to wrestling. And, um, and he seemed very appreciative of that message. And I said, geez, I hope you never get tired of hearing that. And he says, no, I never do. You know, he says, and I really, it's really cool that you came over and said that. And we got some pictures and, you know, that it's, how can you, and, and then I get paid on top of it, good money. And, you know, had a seminar with a couple of young guys and turned them on to the message and got them fired up to do some stuff. And he's, you know, how can you, how can you not and be bitter about a business like that? And then yeah. also, and, and also I'm teaming with one of my best friends with Tim Hughes is to part of the tough guy Inc team. And there with wild man Congo who, you know, Larry knows we, we all kind of hang out. So, you know, Larry's met all those guys, but um, it's it's a good scene, and you get to ride with your buddies. And yeah, I agree. Like, I think being a good person really wins out. You know, and it it should be rewarded being a good person. I mean, Mauro Ronaldo is a friend of mine, so I mean, not a close friend, but I'm certainly friendly with him, and I sent messages back and forth, and he appreciated it. And I'm sure I was one of the hundreds. And you know, the the JBL stuff just in my opinion, shouldn't be tolerated, and it wasn't. So, you know, and, and Morrow ended up having a nice little deal for himself, and I'm sure he'll kill it in NXT like he always does. And, you know, hopefully JBL learns something from it. And, you know, the days of, you know, guys, we've, we've had so many issues with mental health and, you know, suicides and issues and people shooting each other and people, you know, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, we have to kind of deal with this. And, and, and sink money into this and and really delve into the whole mental health issue rather than just go, oh, it's just a guy being a, a puss or whatnot. I mean, it's just not it's not acceptable anymore, you know. So anyway, I hope I hope that answers your question from a long time ago. <laughs> hey, um, Bob, I was curious about um, you're doing seven consecutive Ironman matches, 60-minute Ironmans in seven days. What possessed mm-hmm. you to do that? And can you talk, tell us uh, a little bit about that episode? Sure. I uh, actually did one in 2009 with very little publicity behind it. I did it. In, I did six of them. And then in 2012, I decided to do seven of them to kind of break my own record. And, and I had started in Ring of Honor, but I was known more as far as being a manager for Mike Bennett, now Mike Kanellis, um, in WWE, but um, I really wanted to show the world and, you know, myself and, and everybody else that I could do this. And yeah, and I had all these crazy rules. I couldn't, I couldn't not work my regular job. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't take money off the table. Um, we couldn't, uh, we, we called all of them on the fly. I think we did four of them where we didn't even hit the ropes. Um, you know, and it was just, it drove all over the place and, you know, wrestled Biff Busick, AKA O'Neill Orkin at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday in a freezing cold gym, because 
someone couldn't make it. So I had to, I called him at the last minute and then with zero notice and wrestled me for an hour. So, mm. you know, it was just one of those wacky, wacky things. You know, it was part publicity stunt, part, you know, I was really fascinated. I still am a little bit by the, uh, you know, the Ironman competitions and these marathoners, you know, the ultra marathoners that run 50 miles in a day. And, you know, I wanted to do something cool like that. And I just hit 40 years old and I said, well, this would be kind of cool. And, you know, I know how to, I know how to pace myself and I know how to, you know, I pride myself on being able to carry people. And, you know, I mean, when you're in the ring with guys like Adam Cole and Vinnie Marcellia and, you know, I mean, just quality guys like that, Grizzly Redwood and, you know, just Antonio Thomas. I mean, how can you, you know, you don't really have to worry about necessarily quote unquote carrying these guys, but making it easy for them and, and, and letting them know that this is, uh, you know, this is a cool thing to do. And I think the, the biggest thing was the young guys at the end really feeling a sense of accomplishment that they, that they got it done and they got, you know, they were like, wow, I just went an hour on the fly. Pretty cool, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly wide open to, you know, I mean, you do a six-minute TV match, you're going to have to plot a lot of stuff out, obviously. But I, I also appreciate the other side of the business where it's like, hey, let's just go. Let's just see what happens. Wrestle by feel, you know? So, and it wasn't always easy because we did a lot of them at wrestling schools. We didn't do them in front of live crowds. So, um you know that can it's it's a very strange environment, but it was really good. I I'm, I'm toying with the idea of doing another one again. Um, I just can never get the pieces right, and I'm blessed by all the work I've been getting as far as the seminar stuff and and the matches and really trying to up this tag team thing with Tim. So it's I'm I'm busy almost every weekend, so it's been been kind of tough. And then you know the Clark Kent job, the real life job has you know <laughs> pretty much I've been they've been they've been begging me to stay there. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate where I'm in a position where I could leave if I wanted to, but my work, I really enjoy what I do. And then my, my wife is very, my wife feels good about the security part. She's, you know, she's yeah. a, a, she's an, she's an HR manager. She's an accountant. She's loves the eight to five lifestyle and she doesn't understand, you know, she supports it and she loves me, but she doesn't understand this crazy entrepreneurial heartbeat that beats inside of me. So Bob, I, you know, so, so great. Uh, you know, you're going to be at Scenic City, which has quickly grown to be an amazing event. I mean, it was Georgia's yes. show of the year last year, and it's not in Georgia, for crying out loud. And, I mean, <laughs> so you're going to be there. What can, uh, what can the guys who are going to attend, the guys and women who attend your seminar, what can they expect? Uh, well, we, we – they're going to, I made, I've made a lot of money being kind of the anti-seminar guy. Um, I will, I'll tell you what they won't, I tell you what they won't expect. I won't scold them. I won't shout them down for being young. I won't shout them down for being ignorant. Um, because I think a lot of the mistakes that young people make are mistakes because they haven't been told. It's, it's, I always liken it to, you know, you go and yeah, you, you go to Walgreens and you ask, the kid at the front desk, hey, where's the toothpaste? And he goes, everyone knows it's an aisle four. And you're like, well, no, dummy, I, I don't know it's an aisle four. That's why I asked you. Don't lower it over me because you have information that I don't. So I think sometimes the guys pick on the young people because they don't know things. But it's not because the young people don't want to learn. It's because they haven't learned yet. So I, uh, 
I really go out of my way to not scold them or beat them up or, and I don't mean, I don't mean beat them up physically. That's out of the question, but beat them up mentally. So, and what to expect, um, I feel pretty confident they could at least double their income by just showing up and listening to me. And then the stuff in the ring will probably get them to triple or five times. And if they really apply everything, they could do 10 times their income in a year, you know, and granted, you know, some people don't make anything, so that's exponential, but I'm talking about, you know, you can, you can go from $10 paydays to hundred dollar paydays in a year if you play your cards right. And I know I've had, I have plenty yeah. of testimonials, plenty of testimonials that, that can, that can prove that. Um, so, I mean, it's, you can, you can easily do, and I, and I, one of my big mantras is you can do this business because I think sometimes people are nervous to make that step and they just need some kind of like cosmic permission, you know, permission from God, permission mm. from me, permission from you to, to do well, you know, like go do well, you know, stop listening to people who, you know, say this business sucks. It's no good. Everybody's out to get you. Everybody's going to chew you up and spit you out. This business is whatever you turn into it. It's completely neutral. If you put good into it, you'll get good out. If you put bad into it, you'll get bad out. And I mean, we're always going to have stumbling blocks and we're always going to have something that pops in front of us that we didn't expect, but it's how you respond to it rather than, you know, lose your mind and pretend it's the end of the world and throw your hands up and be helpless. I think the victim society doesn't, you know, it doesn't stray away from wrestling. It it kind of, you know, there's, there's people with, you know, fragile egos, poor self-esteem that do this business to get an identity. And then, you know, we, we throw a lot of failure in the way. And I don't even know if it's failure, but you know, we, we, I, I, it's, I firmly believe you can, you can do this business as a strong side hustle or strong second job, or you could even make a living at it if you play your cards right. But and I don't mean if you play your cards right as in if you're the most talented person on earth. I mean if you legitimately look at it as a game and if you if you plot yourself out and you plan and you execute and then you adjust. Plan, execute, and adjust are three words that I use a lot. Um, yeah. And we'll, I'll, I'll teach those people how to do that. We'll obviously do in-ring stuff. I'm one of the best in-ring, in-ring guys out there. I got no problem teaching that. But some of the stuff that I teach – there is, you know, this kind of stuff where, you know, it, it's it's a business. It can be just as fun, but think about how much differently you you would approach this if you look at every single time you go out there, not as, hey man, I'm going to wrestling tonight. Can't wait to have a great match, of course, but can't wait to have a great match and earn some money that I actually can like bring home to my wife or my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my mom or my yeah. dad or my kids and justify why we do this because every single bump you take takes minutes off your life. Every single match you get takes days off your life. And so shouldn't we be trading that, you know, and if we're not trading time in uh, at the end of our life, we're trading time now in the middle of our life where we're not at the anniversaries. We're not at the birthdays. My, my wedding anniversary is Saturday, guys. I'm going to be in Hoboken, New Jersey for Capital Wrestling, you know? So yeah. and my wife my wife doesn't even blink at it because there's been so many times where we've not had the anniversary. I mean, it's no big deal. She's she's pretty chill. She's my, thank God I have a wife that's cool with all that. But um, And we'll celebrate it the next day. No big deal. But, um, you know, but you, you miss things. You know, you, you just do. And if we're going to trade time away, then – I know money isn't everything guys, but if we can do this and have fun and make some money at it, let's do it. 
because yes. there's no reason not to. And I think people think you have to, you guys talked about art a little bit right before I got on. And I think you can marry art and commerce. I don't think you have to, you know, oh, I have to be the starving artist or I'm a big sellout. And you also don't have to jump at the WWE if they wave $2 in your face either. So I think you can right. somehow kind of play this down the middle. And people, I don't think people realize how much power they have to change their lives in wrestling. So that's that's my biggest thing I'll tell them is I'll just empower them to, to change it. If you want to make this business better, it starts with you. Awesome, man. Uh, Larry, do you have a last question for, for Brutal Bob? Are, are there still spots left for August 5? There are. As far as I know, there's a couple spots left. Um, I talked to Josh, Mr. Massey, and even though he's, you know, baby baby on his mind right now, um, but they're, you know, he's trying to pull everything together. And I know he had a, he was challenging a couple of people who I guess said that they were interested in coming and haven't stepped up yet. So, um like I said, I'm not I'm not going to bust anybody's chops if they can't come. If they can't come, they can't come. But you know, there'll be plenty of other ways to see me. But this is the best opportunity to see me because not only do you get to see me, but you get to see a really cool tournament that was the I just learned. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but it was the show of the year in Georgia, and it's not even in Georgia. So, <laughs> um, but it's you know it's it, and I I see all the great talent that's going to be there. And I think I have a a non I think I have a non tournament match uh, sometime. I'm, I'm not I'm not really sure. I have something going on. Um, yeah, we're all over the place. Um, you know, we have <laughs> we have three shows in Tennessee uh, that weekend. Me, Tim, and Congo. So we're going to be running around with our with our heads cut off. And then, but I think this is the best time to see me in Tennessee. I don't know when I'll be back. I will be back, but I don't know exactly when. So come see me and you never know, maybe there'll be somebody there, you know, that'll lend a, you know, there'll be plenty of great talents there. Maybe they'll step in and lend a word of advice in that changes you, or maybe they see something and they give you a piece of advice or you never know. And uh, it's a real cool scene to do it in. And, you know, why not do it in one of the biggest independent tournaments of the year? So absolutely. Yes. Bob, do you have anything else you'd like to you'd like to leave us with before we get going? Uh, well, um, really, the biggest thing is I just want to I want to I don't want to just preach positivity because we all can, you know, smile at the world as it burns down. I don't think that's really what I'm talking about. We have to preach productivity, where people are out there beating the streets and finding places to work and getting as many matches as they can. You know. Um, I just heard, uh, it was a gentleman, I think he was on, uh, America's got talent. He was talking about all the stand up gigs he did and he did 13 in a weekend. So if he can do 13 and 13 spots in a weekend, we can certainly do two or three shows in a weekend. And I think the, the hundred matches in a year should be a, a good goal for an independent wrestler. And I know that sounds big and scary to some of you, but you you know, we have to get on board and we have to do this. If you want to do this business, the right, you have to practice. And to practice, you have to go to training, you have to get in the gym, and you also have to get on shows on the weekend. So, and uh, that's about it, guys. Just uh, yeah, very man. fortunate to be where I am and, and to know you guys. And hopefully I'll see you. Are you guys going to be at the tournament? Do I get to – Do I get Larry, to meet absolutely you guys? will. Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, good. Well, good. I finally got to meet Larry after – 
chatting with him and shooting the breeze with him online several times. But um, well, Steve, if you can come, you gotta you gotta shout me out and and hit me up, and we'll get a picture together or something. Awesome, Absolutely. man. Well, thank you right, so fellas. much. Thank you. I'll catch up with you guys soon. And uh, I'm a big fan of the show. So if I can, if you guys want to have me on another time, I'll be happy to do it. Thank you. Pleasure speaking with you. All right, guys. God bless you guys. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, awesome, Larry. You know, we ran a little bit over, but I think everybody would agree that was well worth it. Um, Heath Slater and Brutal Bob Evans. Woo! Great show. So we will be back next week with a Scenic City uh, preview of, uh, and hopefully, as I say, Ace Rockwell, Dan Wilson, possibly someone else. Wanted to mention before we go, uh, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment returns to the Marriott Event Center this Sunday. And, folks, this could be, this very likely will be their last show until October. So if you want to check out AWE this Sunday's your chance. And I think I smell a title change uh, with Chip Day oh. and Martin Stone in the main event. So it looks like yes. a looks like a pretty good card. They 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 have to fill the tag titles that Iceberg and Tank had to vacate. They're doing a four way for that. Uh, that involves uh, last week's guests, James Drake and Anthony Henry, are in that one, and an interesting matchup: Murder One and Sugar Dunkerton and Gladiator, Gladiator Jeremiah makes his AWA debut against another former guest on our show, Joe Black. Nice, man. It's a big card. That's on Sunday. And next week, Larry and I will return yet again by popular demand for another episode of The Tipping Point. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.